Welcome to a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they made how many of those? And we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps, and I'm here with... Elizabeth Helley. And... Tyler Hymanson. And... Today, I'm super excited to welcome our very special guest, my very good friend, Maureen Lee Lanker. She is a writer at Entertainment Weekly and uh, kind of their point person for Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I uh, fell into that the way that Lily James falls off to the bar into a handsome man's arms. Um, Three times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and equally as pleased with that scenario as she is. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, this, uh, this week, we were talking about the brand new sequel to Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Yeah, and we want to say up top that this is in theaters right now, but we're going to completely spoil it. Yeah, we're going to spoil the shit out of this movie. We don't care about spoilers yeah. for you guys. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, hopefully you already saw it in the theater. If right. not, you know, press pause, drive, use your AMC Stubbs A-list or whatever you want to use. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and also, spoiler alert, I mean, the first movie spoils this movie. Yes, yeah, so. it does. <laughs> True. Also, the trailer. Yeah. Was this movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess you don't need to see it. Yeah, Meryl no, Streep is dead. <laughs> oh. Whoa. <laughs> you went there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of the trailer, why don't we chickity check it out? I have a dream, a song to sing. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. I'm pregnant. But I don't know how to do this by myself. Your mother is the bravest person we ever met. Look at my baby. Let me tell you how she did it. All on her own. Life is short. The world is wide. I want to make some memories. This dress might look very pretty on... You really don't know me at all, do you? They're still singing, you guys. Still. <laughs> Thank God. Ten years later. That's right. Um, and Cher. Yeah. And Cher. Asterix and Cher. Before we like full-on jump into the plot of this movie, Maureen, I didn't know if you wanted to say a little bit about... How you got uh, into writing about the entertainment industry at Entertainment Weekly uh, and kind of what you did for this film. Yeah. Um, well, I've always been a pop culture junkie and a longtime EW subscriber. Been subscribing since like ninth or tenth grade when my sister uh, brought home a magazine uh, subscription fundraiser for her school. <laughs> nice. And, um, and I've always been obsessed with the magazine, like read it cover to cover every single week when it came and majored in film in college, knew I wanted to do something in entertainment, but wasn't really sure what I, I acted. I've written things, I've produced and directed theater, um, and... Uh, I literally fell into doing uh, red carpet interviews when I was working as an AFI festival intern. Um, I was gathering social media content for us on the red carpet and some publicists came up to me. This was for the Saving Mr. Banks premiere nice. and goes, are you ready for BJ and Jason as in BJ Novak and Jason Schwartzman? And for some reason I said, yes. <laughs> and then they came over to me and I just started asking them questions. I was oh, like, man. Oh, um, maybe I'm good at this. So then I went back to school and got a master's in journalism. I should also add in there. 
as part of this that my very first entertainment news writing was for Eliz <laughs> um, on a website she ran for a while called The Popsicle. Yes. And that is where I learned to write TV recaps mm. um, and do all sorts of, kind of fun stuff that I'm still doing now <laughs> in a more professional capacity, I guess. Uh, yeah. And then um, with Mamma Mia, I've been really excited about this movie since they announced it was going to happen because I was a huge fan of the original property. Mm-hmm. It was the first show I saw on Broadway ever. I went, yeah, I went on a trip to New York with my eighth grade class, and that was like the the Broadway show that was built into our like (laughs) all paid expenses trip. Mine was uh, the Lion King, same trip. Nice, yeah, Yeah, and I got in trouble with our school counselor for jumping on the bed and singing Dancing Queen. (laughs) Like, like the phone in the hotel room rings, and I'm like, "Hello," and she's like, "Maureen, get off the bed, stop singing Dancing Queen." (laughs) It has to end now. But you can't contain the music. Yeah. (laughs) Also, you were just reenacting the film. They literally did that. Um, So then, of course, I loved the first movie. Um, Yeah. So then back to like when the trailer for this dropped, we knew it was going to drop that day. And my editor was like, hey, can you like pre-write something for this? And then um, we'll have it ready. And then someone has to get up at midnight when it goes live to, to publish it. And I was like, I want to see it when it goes live. I will stay awake and watch it. Um, so I did that. Uh, yeah. And so then I've just been really enthusiastic about it ever since. Um, and so ed- that my editors kept giving me stuff to write about it. Very cool. Yeah. Well, it finally came out this week and we got to see it. And uh, I'm going to say right, right up at the top here that I was borderline shocked by how much I enjoyed this movie. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, we talked about it on the podcast here, but one of the reasons we decided to do this as uh, our first ever twofer is because the the sheer notion of it having a sequel we thought was so ridiculous. So patently ridiculous. It's certainly going to be stupid or goofy right. or whatever. Contrived yeah. and forced. Like, and, yeah. We were like, how are there more songs? Are there more songs? Right. Like, it was like, did, <laughs> are they losing the rights to this? Do they just have a Spider-Man type situation where they need to make a Mamma Mia movie now? Otherwise, it's going to go to Fox or something. <laughs> yeah. That's not why I wanted to do it, but I see that that's now what you were yeah. doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I just really wanted to talk about musicals. <laughs> I have to say, I had really big expectations going in because the trailer is such a delight that mm. I was like, this, this looks like it's actually going to be really good. Um, and it so far exceeded them because mm-hmm. I, the first movie is so much fun, but uh-huh. that's really like all it is, is right. fun. And this had just had like so much emotional resonance mm-hmm. that the first mm-hmm. film didn't have. And I mentioned that to the director, Al Parker, uh, when I was interviewing him. And he he very uh, graciously pointed out that that wouldn't be the case if the first movie didn't exist because there was a shorthand for all these relationships that he didn't have to spend any right. time building or establishing and that the cast already loved each other so much that it, mm-hmm. it made um, putting in moments like Meryl and Amanda's duet, spoilers. Um, <laughs> spoilers, I also cried in the theater oh. a lot during that part. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, Justin can see me as peripheral vision. <laughs> it has been a long time since I've seen a movie where I, like, actively had to dig for tissues in my purse. <laughs> but, like, oh, I didn't expect to need this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did, I did think it got a little dusty in there, even yeah. for me. Yes. <laughs> we should say that we were we saw this uh, 
basically the midnight screening on a Thursday night yes. uh, before it came out, <laughs> and there was uh, groups of of people dressed in their best Greek summer dresses. Yeah, and, and also like movie. disco. There were some bell yeah. bottoms and feather boas and stuff. So I, I was think, jealous. I think that there was uh, there was not not many dry eyes in that house. Yeah. It, was, oh, it yeah. was the right crowd to see it with. I was going to wear my overalls here tonight, but I know. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> I don't fit in my Oshkosh bagashes. <laughs> <laughs> Just hang them around your yeah. neck and show up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, like, we were saying, I also had low expectations for this, but, like, not really in the same way. I just kind of thought that it was going to be a weird story or something like that. And also, I don't know why I ever doubt Lily James, because (laughs) she is consistently amazing. So, obviously, I knew her from Downton Abbey, but when they announced, like, live-action Cinderella, and keep in mind, this was, like, one of the first live-action things that Disney did, I was like live action Cinderella. Like that's going to be lame. Like, I don't know. You know, and then I went and saw it and was like, Oh my God, Lily James is so beautiful. And then she like sings a song over the credits. She sings uh, dream is a wish. And I was like, why didn't they make it all a musical? She's amazing. Except for Helena Bonham Carter, of course. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And, and so then, uh, the next thing was like baby driver. I was like, is she going to be able to do an American accent? I don't know. Who knows? And then I was like, Oh, she's perfect. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. And same thing here. I mean, she, I, you can tell that she really studied the first movie and Meryl Streep's mannerisms. Like she, she's a star in her own right, and she did an amazing job, like portraying young Meryl Streep. Yeah, I, she's one of those actors where I keep waiting for her to have to explode. Yeah, and have this huge moment because she is so consistently good yeah. in everything thing she does, and she is. I, I've heard a lot of people say that she is literally luminous in this movie like she glows on screen and uh, her and the entire cast both the work they did and and the work the directors and producers put in with them to make their performances all of the younger cast to make them not doing impersonations Mm -hmm. of the people they're playing but have so much of the similar energy and just enough mannerisms or things that they're doing that Mm -hmm. you're that you really know exactly who they are and it's jessica keenan Wynn, who plays young christine baranski is uncanny (laughs) yeah yeah i I was like no you really just are her younger (laughs) it's not possible it's something like there's just so much love and respect with like well we get a bunch of flashbacks of what we're talking about in this movie and so we get to see the younger selves of a lot of the characters that we met in the first movie and these young actors many of them you know are, are not known or you wouldn't recognize them uh they are channeling exactly what you said the energy of these people and there's not an, like an ounce of cynicism or or an impersonation or anything like that it's really just the energy of the characters and the way that they're able to bring that out it makes this movie so fucking charming yeah yeah there's two comparisons that came to mind for me that you probably wouldn't expect to compare this movie to but the first one is finding dory because it's half prequel half sequel that actually makes me like the characters from the first movie more like i you know uh dark secret i'm a notorious dory hater from the first film and then when i saw finding dory i was like oh now i don't hate her okay like and so this like i mean i didn't love meryl streep in the first one movie but now i was like oh she's great because she used to be lily james and also now i you know understand where she was coming from more you know yeah. 
Um, and then the other comparison that I would say, which is random, is Avengers Infinity War because you have so many people in it and you got it like it manages to give everybody their moment yeah. Yeah. in a nice way. Like I think one thing we had said, we were a little bit worried that maybe they were just bringing these young people because they couldn't get the old people to do any scenes and it was going right. to they were just going to push the old people aside. But that really wasn't the case. Everybody, young and old, got their moment. And the movie does a really clever and I don't know if it's a, a meta interpretation of that where it leads you to believe that like they're not going to be in it like it plays it like mm-hmm. yeah like that that is the case it's a sequel they can't be here we've given the reasons why they can't be here and yeah. it makes it so delightful when they actually do show up I think mm-hmm. another reason it works really well um, Hugh Skinner who plays Harry the, the Colin Firth role um, said that that Colin told him um you know, remember that you're not doing, you're not playing young Colin Firth. You're not playing mm-hmm. young Pierce Brosnan, what have you. You're playing a younger version of a character. And he said that really helped all of them deal with the psychology of mm-hmm. what they were doing because it took the pressure off having yeah. to be this like famous <laughs> right. acting icon and just be a person. Yeah. No, it so easily could have devolved into an SNL skit of them just doing, yes. you know. When also as you age, like you just choose to double down on certain parts of your personality. But when you're younger, it's a little bit more all over the place. And so they didn't like they weren't just one note what we knew of those people from when they were older. Yeah. 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 And we were uh, we're talking a little bit about like the emotion in this movie. Um, and I love that, you know, they could have gone all sorts of different ways with the sequel. And they tr- decide to go in a direction where they're not trying to make it look like it, you know, takes place two years afterwards it's like 10 years later or whatever yep. and the uh all the present day things we we already gave away that um you know donna has passed away for some mm-hmm. reason in this in yep. this universe so like still unclear yeah, yeah. <laughs> somehow she died maybe it's soap opera situation who knows she'll be back in mama mia yeah. three but uh <laughs> she was the only one who was taken by thanos yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. same universe <laughs> to be something like really horrific like she was standing on the cliff on the island and it like yeah. crumbled into yeah. the sea or something <laughs> that goat that she like stares at for too long in the flashback finally got her <laughs> the yeah. greek chorus rose up they're, they're... <laughs> like we're tired of working for you yeah. white lady <laughs> uh but i was just gonna say that like the the all, all the scenes in the present day almost, almost all of them are filled with like this wonderful, like almost like the sadness feeling and nostalgia because it has been 10 years in real life and you're seeing these characters come back. And, you know, the thing I loved is that we, we do get a couple of reprises of songs from the first film because, mm-hmm. you know, there aren't as many, <laughs> that, that many yeah. iconic uh, ABBA songs for two movies. But I also love that every time we're uh, seeing yeah. some of the new, the old characters, they're playing in the score, like songs Their that they theme. sang yeah. back in the first I loved movie. That. And, uh, you know, we get, like, Pierce Brosnan doing a little reprise of S.O.S., which was, like, so sad. I never (laughs) thought I would want to hear Pierce Brosnan sing again. Yeah. And that moment was so great and emotional and done so well. And I was was like... Am I crying? Pierce Brosnan singing, and not because it sounds bad. Yeah. It was literally like as soon as the like piano started up in the theater, I was like, "Don't you fucking do it!" Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, "Oh, my heart!" It was, it was one of those where it was like constructed around him, like exactly to his ability. Is kind of like uh, this is a weird comparison too, but like how Lin Manuel Miranda wrote the songs for The Rock to be able to sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, he, like he watches old wrestling things. He's like, "Okay, I can write this in a way that he can do this." Right. Like that scene is. Built for like, this is the let's let's, the let's yeah let's max yeah. out what Pierce Brosnan can do. Yeah, and it, like 
I think I, I don't know if it was one of your interviews or another one where he said like, I'm relieved that I'm not singing as much in this one, oh, yeah. <laughs> which makes sense. You know, he's not an idiot. He knows it was <laughs> right. not well received, but to his credit, he went for, he just went for yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, the dancing, which we made fun of his goofy dancing in the first one, yeah. he just doubled down on it. He's yeah. like, I'm a dad. I've been a dad for even longer now. This is dad dancing, you know? Yep, so yep. yeah, that, no, it was the EW Facebook live where he was like, okay. um, you know, I, People took the piss out of my singing, <laughs> and uh, and I didn't take it personally. And I, but I did notice that there was significantly less of it in the script. <laughs> so. Yeah, just have him sing in the group numbers. Yeah. yeah, he's he did he tried so hard. He worked so hard. Oh yeah, he was talking he about was how the special features in the first one did that. He tried so hard. <laughs> but uh, you know, on the you know. So the 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 movie has a lot of this undercurrent of sadness, but like um, the flashbacks and you know a lot of the movie itself is just so full of joy and mm-hmm. like seeing Lily James, like you said, her smile just like lights up the theater mm-hmm. and the screen, and it's just she's so amazing. Um, I loved it. I loved it. I think uh, I don't know if it's the first song, uh, but the song between Dominic Cooper and Amanda Seyfried, where he's the second song, where where, where he's in New York, and it's it's staged almost like a duet, but they're across, and there's a lot of practical camera tricks that put them close. And it was one of those things that was staged so incredibly well, where a lot of the first movie, the way that we talked about it. It was kind of like, yeah, there's choreography as if it would be, you know, on stage, and there's no real wit to the the filmmaking. Yeah. And when that scene played, I was like, oh, this is an entirely different movie. I, I could be wrong about this, but I'm 90% sure that the director of the first film also directed the original she did, Western. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that probably was why that yeah. happened because she was like, oh, I'll just film Well, let's just numbers. get everything up in front of the camera. Because it was the same yeah. choreographer yeah. Mm-hmm. as the stage show as well who also did this. Mm-hmm. But I think this time you had someone who was actively thinking about it from a cinematic standpoint yeah. mm-hmm. from the word go. And the, yeah. and the staging in that is really incredible. It's a really great, like, duet that's across. Yeah. It's, it's, it's executed very well. I felt like, uh, you know, I could tell that there was something different with, you know, this director and, and this movie, like right away from the, when I kissed a teacher first, yeah. first mm-hmm. like big musical number, there's like so much energy and there's yeah. like way more people and they're all doing crazy choreographed dances and fun stuff. And it just felt so much more energetic and alive a little bit more than the last movie. Yep. You do get that kind of like, they filmed a stage play. Yeah. Where... <laughs> and like that song, um, by any rights should just be gross and weird, but, uh, she, you know, Lily James, she just freaking pulls it off <laughs> yeah, somehow. Yeah. Like, well, they also rewrote the lyrics they so did. that the teacher was female. Yeah. yeah. But I have to say that, that number, like, from before even the music started, that pretty much sealed the deal that I was going to love the movie. Because when <laughs> the credits popped up and it said 1979, New College, Oxford, that is where I did my graduate degree, that college at oh, Oxford. Nice. <laughs> in, that's the, where they shot that number is actually our dining hall. Oh, wow. Um, so I was like, yes! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that number is so inventive and fun, like with the surprise of her tearing off the graduation yeah. gown and then uh-huh. the, the crowd surfing with the amazing the overhead dynamos. shot. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> the bike riding and it just had so much stuff that was, mm-hmm. it, it kind of like in a weird way reminded me of West Side Story, the way it's using like this outside setting, mm-hmm. um, and location shooting, but in like a very musicalized way. Yeah. 
and those amazing long range wireless mics they have. Yeah, <laughs> that work all the way to the river. <laughs> I was thinking about that. They're like, hmm. In 1979. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Damn, they're still working out there. <laughs> One of my favorite tidbits, um, I, I did like an extensive breakdown of When I Kissed the Teacher for us and talked to the production team about it. And those the costumes that Donna and the Dynamos in, in, wear in that is meant to be a nod to the sound of music. They're supposed to be made out of the curtains of their dorm rooms. Oh. And so in the next scene after that, where they're in your dorm, if in their dorm, if you look really close you can see the like holes cut out of the oh my that's God. amazing that's awesome yeah I, that was like something I didn't pick up when I watched it but when they told me that I was like oh my god that's so cool yeah. I love it sound of music or uh, Gone with the Wind yes <laughs> <laughs> honestly that I mean When I Kiss a Teacher is the song that I have been playing like on repeat this entire week <laughs> I don't know why it's just like it's something about it is so much fun and I even listened back to the ABBA version and I was like I think I like the Lily yeah. James one better I don't know well to quote the director <laughs> that song is a banger so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, so great it's a great like uh starting up the day song I don't yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> well and you mentioned like the rewriting of the lyrics i think like there it seemed to me like there was more of that in this one um i think i'm not sure about this but i think that um benny and bjorn who are the two members of abba who did the songwriting and have been involved with mama mia since the beginning mm-hmm. producing it um, I think they were a lot more reluctant the first time around to to change lyrics, but this time they were kind of more gung ho for it um, because my love, my life, which is um, that tear jerking ballad at the end that we were talking about before, they said you know they com- rewrote a lot of that so it would be about a christening and not about a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, but. They they seem like really cool guys from everything I could tell. They both have cameos in yeah. the movie, yeah. which is super <laughs> yep. fun. Um, yeah, it's it. I think that added a lot as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they had to do uh, a little bit more work with this one to try to make the leftover songs fit into a, a new story. It was interesting because um, Al Parker, the director, was saying that. Um, it was sort of a blend of sometimes they were writing to a song. So they knew like this, the movie's called Mamma Mia. We have to include Mamma Mia. How are, <laughs> how are we including it? So let's write a scenario that will lead us into that song. And then there were other moments like when I kissed the teacher where they were like, okay, we're going to have a graduation ceremony. She's going off into the world. What is something that would fit thematically here? Like let's go through the catalog. And also I guess super trooper was originally meant to be the song that opened the movie so oh. that in the first movie, when they perform Super Trooper, it's like a callback to this thing they did in their youth. Right. Uh, but then the director was like, I don't want to start the movie with a song we already yeah. used. Yeah. So that people are like, oh, this is just the same all song. the same stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's probably smart. Um, I should note, too, like, I think part of the reason the script and the emotions and the writing is so good on this oh, is because Richard say. Curtis played a role in writing the script. <laughs> and I, like, if you want someone to write a good emotional love story, call Richard, Richard Curtis. Curtis. <laughs> but also like ridiculous crowd following yes. things as well too. Like I thought about it later and I was like a lot of the, even though they did this in the first movie, the Greek chorus that we made fun of or yeah. that, you know, that they have, yeah. it's clearly like a play on words. But in this one, the Greek chorus I felt was less offensive, less obtrusive. <laughs> <laughs> they got a few of them actually were like characters a little bit. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, some of those scenes where they're all following really 
reminded me of the um it's the Colin Firth one yes, in Love Actually, actually too. Yeah. yeah. Or any of those really. I think he's in Portugal or, or yeah. southern France. Or yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Yeah. So yeah. Um well I don't know. Do we want to talk about the guys? Sure. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about boys. Yeah. <laughs> so you got uh Hugh Skinner who is playing um Bill. No. No, sorry. he's Harry. Harry, my bad. Uh Colin Firth and she meets him in Paris, which is what we had mm-hmm. heard before, and uh they go like kind of on a date and uh, they have a meet cute at the hotel where he's naked, of course, mm-hmm. and uh the best kind of meet cute. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, he sings Waterloo to convince her to take his virginity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that number is so fun. Like, yeah. the baguette that is involved <laughs> just yes. made my life. <laughs> I love that scene, too. Like, they go in that restaurant and everyone's wearing these, like, goofy soldier outfits <laughs> that are working on the waitstaff. And as soon as that was there, I was like... There's going to be a music and lumber here. And I, you know, I had kind of expressed... Uh, that I was displeased with Colin Firth's uh, gay storyline in the first movie. Yeah. And I thought that they actually handled it really nicely in this one. Uh-huh. It could have really been like a, I'm gay, but I'm trying to convince myself I'm straight. But it was very earnest. And he was very much just like, no, I, this person is great. And yeah. I am in love with or attracted to them. And yeah, you know, I don't know what's going on in my life. And I'm just seeing, you know, what's up. I think it kind of gets back to what we were talking about of, of Colin Firth's advice to them as the younger actors. Uh-huh. Like, you're not playing me, you know, you're playing this character, and it's kind of like, okay, well, that's the fixed point. You know, the character that we saw there, that's the horizon. How do I move towards that as an actor? How do mm-hmm. I move, you know, and so it really gives an authenticity to it, and I think that that's the thing that works so well. Like, you can see him, like, on screen kind of figuring that out. Yeah. And there's something really, I'm going to say the word delightful again, I'm going to say delightful yeah. in this movie <laughs> about a lot, but there's something really true and, and great about it. Yeah, I just thought it was handled so nice and earnestly, like I said, and it could have really been like a slapstick conversion, you know, like t- type thing. Like if you were going for just comedy, that might be what people stereotypically would have just gone right. for. But yeah. instead, they took the more thoughtful path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was a really uh, powerful statement for it just to be about like, I'm loving this person. Yeah, that, absolutely. Regardless of any trappings of sexuality mm-hmm. or gender or anything like that. And and not in any sort of heavy handed way, just this is the story and this is who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and like it's it. Lily James. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you would it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the other thing that I thought was surprising and I really loved about this um, musical number is it has this big like featured moment for a dancer in a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like you kind of see her in the background and you know, at first you're like, Oh great. They included someone yeah. handicapped or whatever. And, uh, but then she gets this whole moment that where they really focus on her, And it's not just like someone who's in the background. I just thought that was really great. Yeah. For this really kind of like inclusive feeling. Yeah. Fun movie. I also love to, we, we talked a little bit about the ABBA cameos and the piano player in this scene oh, yeah. is mm-hmm. Benny Anderson, one of the songwriters. Um, and I just love that's like a little fun thing that mm-hmm. they threw in there. It was just, yeah. And it was just great that they found this awesome way to include that song. Cause like, Elis, you were joking like, Oh, they didn't put yeah. Waterloo in because no one gets the reference. Cause it's like a thing about <laughs> European <war."> history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was saying that's why they include it as an encore in the first one, because right. who's going to know, yeah. like, how are that? they going to fit that into the movie? Yeah. Well, I will say though, the one interesting thing I learned about Waterloo for the year I lived in the UK was that apparently Facing my Waterloo is a very common idiomatic oh. expression in oh, England. So, like, 
people say that okay. as, as a, you know, a cliche, basically. Yeah. Like, I have to face my Waterloo or whatever. So that's why that song ah. uses that lyric. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, I had always thought, oh, it's this weird historical reference. But no, it's just picking up a commonly used phrase. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an, another cool thing about ABBA. Like, you know, they were always talking about how, like, no one else could have written songs about, you know, stuff like this because n- no American band's going to be writing a song called Mamma Mia. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's like just not a thing people are saying around here a lot. Sure. Like, so there's something unique about the band that just, yeah, you know, yeah. it's very cool. So after she parts ways with um, Harry, she meets Bill yes. at the docks. Ugh. And uh, in my opinion, and the opinion of the girls leaving the theater uh, at the same time as us, he's definitely the hottest of the Uh, three. (laughs) They're all good looking, but he's the one that it's like, ooh, I'm lost in his eyes. I feel like there's the biggest gap. On Bill, between young Bill and yeah, old. sure. <laughs> he got old. Uh, <laughs> it's all that time in the sun on both. Yeah, yeah, yeah that true. must be it. Uh, no, I definitely agree. He is the the hottest of the three. <laughs> like it's that long blonde hair and the sailing. I mean, he's a dreamy Swede. Yeah, it makes sense for his character. Yeah, yeah. I also thought it was really funny how they said um, older Bill couldn't come to the opening because he was getting an award for being the greatest Swede. Swede of all time. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? That's not a little award. Well, like, <laughs> like, they were fucking with him. Yeah, like, they were, like, they were joking right. around with him, but it was just like, right. like I was like, but essentially. They never explained uh, yeah. what it actually yeah. was. But I also it. feel like that's just an actual award Stellan Skarsgård could receive. Yeah, that's no, true. Absolutely. So, <laughs> at, like, I, I, like, I felt like that whole sequence was a little bit of uh, sending up of him and the fact that he is like the patriarch of an acting dynasty at yeah. this point, yeah. and all of whom are Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think Tyler, you were talking about in the first movie, how it's just like a known thing that he'll just get naked for every right. movie. And this time they were like, okay, don't get naked. He was like, okay, fine. If you won't let me get naked, fat suit. Dude, yeah. <laughs> that was so insane. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> So like we yeah so we see this awards dinner and they call him up and this you know Stellan Skarsgård in a giant fat suit comes up and you're like holy <laughs> shit like what happened to Stellan Skarsgård <laughs> what you been doing Bill? Yeah. <laughs> but then it turns out that he has a twin brother who's really fat and has some sort of weird goat story yeah and he for- yeah he forced him to accept the award it's just it's crazy. <laughs> That was just like the one of the most insane. Yeah, and lines. then the reason that Harry can't come is because he is signing a contract to become the richest company in all of Europe. Is what they tell him. It's yeah. like what? <laughs> when did he become like Richard but, yeah. Branson or something? You know, like I'm pretty sure he was just a regular banker guy in the yeah. first one. But just, now he's Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're all just like at the top of their game. Ten years later. That's right. <laughs> Except for Pierce, who stayed it was, in the show. It was reuniting yeah. with Donna. She was the inspiration. Yeah, I guess it. so. It's probably true. Um, so, yeah, Bill, like, he gets almost like a um, shortened part of introduction because he mm-hmm. comes back more later. So they don't, uh, he, she doesn't but he sleep. he tries with to get in her He pants. does try. Yeah, yeah. Immediately. Yep, he does. Yep. He definitely does, as one does. Um, and then uh, they have this thing where they save this guy who's trying to swim to his love who's getting married. And it's just. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To me, it was like if Michael's first marriage in The Godfather went better, it would have been this scenario. Uh, yeah so i think again like the greek 
chorus these people are definitely part of it and they they get their own little like storylines which is nice this yeah. time yeah. so and I think overall what you said about inclusiveness, I think even just the people that lived on the island were more diverse this time. Yeah. Like it wasn't just all these like really stereotypical like Greek extras. It was like, okay, there's other people that have come to live on this island now. <laughs> yeah. It's not just Meryl Streep, the only white person among all these olive skinned, <laughs> right. you know, Greek people. So Yeah. I still think that like at this point the the, the people who live on the island must be starting like legends of the white people that every 10 years they get together <laughs> and no one can work because they just sing songs. They are stricken by this strange disease that makes them burst into song. Yeah, there's even this amazing like callback during when they sing Dancing Queen, the lady that's holding the sticks in the first yeah. movie who like holds, who's like carrying a bunch of pile of sticks and throws them off to go dance. Like they show her again and she has a uh, expression on her face like, fuck no, not this again. <laughs> like no stop I, I need to carry these sticks speaking of callbacks i also loved um that and when i kissed the teacher lily james did a cannonball into the river the same way meryl streep did in dancing queen in the first oh movie. yeah yeah there's lots of fun callbacks just out of nowhere that i was not expecting yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah what, what, and, what? and then the third guy sam Mm, Pierce, Sam, and uh, this is a warhorse kid. Yeah. Which I, didn't, I didn't recognize him, but I saw it on Wikipedia that of it's of course him. he's got a horse. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's why he was able to help her control the horse. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, a horse in a barn? I You ain't seen nothing. <laughs> I got to say, like, my one minor quibble with the movie was that I, I for the amount of time Sam and Donna spend together, I was like, you spent 30 years thinking about this? Yeah. yeah. Like, it is a little abbreviated. I mean, I guess, you know, like we said, they're trying to balance a lot of characters and two different timelines, so there really was no other way to go about it. But yeah. I definitely partly was like, Wow, she really made an impression. But again, it is Lily James. So. Yeah, she, yeah, and I mean, I think he could like put a could have perseverated her over it. Of like, I was like, that was my one chance to get out of this mistake that I made. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he's, like, seems like he hates his fucking kids. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's clearly already like, uh, I'm not sure I want to take this leap. He's, he he yeah. says something about like, I need to go on this vacation before I sign up for the rest of my life or something like right. that. Yeah. So he's already kind of like you know thinking about that, and then he meets this girl and. Uh, he's the only one that she like says, you know, come away with me. Basically, let's like let's live here and just do this crazy right. thing. Like, that I want to make believe, an impression. I want to believe that the songs, um, you know, spanned at least a couple days. Oh yes. yeah, there's definitely some uh, yeah, it's definitely not just two days. Like you got a little montage. I mean, obviously, it can't be too far away because it's got to be close enough so that it's ostensibly that it could have been uh, Colin Firth that right. got her pregnant. Right. But I mean, you could put a, a you could fudge it by a week or yeah. maybe a week and a, a half. A week would be enough to be, yeah. Like, yeah. to be like thinking about yeah. someone for 30 years probably. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> You'd be surprised. When she looks like Lily James. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then he's like, I could have be on that island right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, funny because he does mention his two kids that he hates in the first movie, and it's like Amanda Seyfried would have like these two brothers would never even right. address it. Yeah, he yeah. obviously after he married Meryl Streep, he just stayed on that island with them, <laughs> yeah. like not care. I mean, they were grown, but not caring about his other kids. You know, maybe they came there. Who knows? Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, maybe they thought know. he was lost at sea <laughs> when, when he went to this Greek that's island. Right. They've lost all contact. Pierce Brosnan with faked him. his own death. Well, they used to say that you could uh, sail off the edge of the world yeah. at that island and uh, he, uh -huh. he must have yeah. they're, they're flat earthers is that yeah. 
That's what they say in the first movie. I know they do. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd hate my dumb kids if they thought the earth was flat. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I will say he, he definitely got like all the trappings of the hottie, though. Like he had the motorcycle. Uh-huh. He was a photographer. The, architect. The boat rowing. The architect. That like super sweet cabin they were staying in. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even though Bill was like objectively the hottest, <laughs> Sam had a, Sam had a lot going for him. Yes. It's like it, well, we didn't see when Bill went off to do his race. The four other women he hit on. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. The like three people he slept with it on his boat before. Or, yeah. Donna got there. <laughs> He's like, let me slot you into this afternoon. That's right. Um, So we've kind of uh, skipped forward the part where um, we find out basically that uh, I'm forgetting her name. Amanda Seyfried. Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. Um, She has remodeled the hotel and she's going to reopen it. And that's why everyone's coming to the island for this grand opening party. And so Tanya and um, Rosie. Rosie arrive. On the island, and uh, they immediately meet the manager guy who is uh, helping uh, Sophie manage the hotel. And uh, it's Andy Garcia, and we know he is Hispanic. So when we see him, we immediately (laughs) they just keep calling him Senor Cienfuegos the entire time, and we're like. His first name's Fernando. This fucker's name. I must be the densest person on earth because I never picked up on that. And Are so, you serious? Yeah. So literally, when the spotlight goes to him and Cher goes Fernando, I literally was uh, like, "What?" <laughs> it was the best reveal ever. I was okay. Pleased so it worked on you. That's it worked. Good. On Get her me. in the test audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were literally there. This fucker's name is Fernando. Yeah. And I think nope. it was when um, Christine Bransky sees him. It's like oh my God. probably by far one of our favorite moments of the movie. And uh, you think she's going to say, be still my beating heart. And instead she just says... Totally deadpan. Be still, my beating vagina. And everyone, including us in the theater, laughed so hard for like at least 60 seconds that I don't even know what the hell Julie Walters said after that because we were all laughing so hard. I have to say that Tanya, both 1979 version and present day version, had the best lines in the whole movie. Oh, absolutely. Like, I am definitely going to be using I visually enjoy you (laughs) (laughs) moving forward. I mean, we want to talk a little bit about, like, uh, the writing in this film. They totally stepped up everything. I feel like there's way more com- great comedic beats. Yeah. Uh, Tanya and Rosie, like, uh, in the first film, I was kind of, like, you know, in the last week saying, like, oh, my God, I was annoyed by them immediately. They're so annoying. This movie, I think they're my favorite characters. Yeah. <laughs> and they have probably my, uh, what I think is my favorite uh, musical number in the entire film. And I just think they did a, such a great job, like, leaning into their characters and giving them even more to do. And Yeah just getting to see their backstory helps fill them out a little bit more. Exactly. Because I think we talked about that the romance between uh, Rosie and Bill felt really weird and contrived during yeah. the wedding reception. Yeah. And the, now that we know she had an attraction yeah. to him before, it's way more that genuine. Was sad. Yeah. It was sad. <laughs> I have to say about angel eyes, which was such a great number Amazing. that the, that, 
the director told me that all of her stuff, like where she's, you know, tripping over things, they're like climbing onto the table yeah. that the other people are leaping yeah. on gracefully, that that was the last take. Like they had all this ornate choreography oh and he was like, God. just do something fun. And that's what they ended up with. That's they're, amazing. Yeah, the that's whole, genius. Yeah, the oh whole song, it's like Rosie... Rosie like starts the song off and then she spends the entire song like playing catch up with the choreography basically like she doesn't know what she's doing Tanya and Sophie are being lifted by random Greek (laughs) men and then she like walks up and they just walk away (laughs) yeah and just like uh that song was brilliant. Is that the one that you yeah, were saying? Julie Walters, like her facial expressions. She's she, so funny. She starts off the song and then, uh, t- you know, uh, Christine Bransky keeps <laughs> interrupting her, like finishing her sentences. And, you know, we, we it, it, just that exchange, you know, in the very beginning of the song, like, you know, it tells so much about the relationship. And you can see that, like, you know, <laughs> Rosie's probably told Tanya this story like a million times. Yes. <laughs> and so she's like finishing the sentence and just, but the look on her face when she like interrupts her singing moment is just like priceless. Well, and, like, and it's also too like a tropes about men because yeah. Julie's complaint or um, so Rosie is complaining about men and Tanya, instead of letting her just vent, is like, well, I also have been screwed over by <laughs> yeah. men. Let me tell you. Like, and then jumping into all the sentences. It's just so amazing. Like I would, I would almost wanted to see it again just for that uh performance alone i I loved it great stuff great stuff uh so her two friends come to visit her on the island so that they can perform in front of nobody at this (laughs) bar but then of course they get all the village people to not the village people (laughs) people in the village oh i must have dozed off (laughs) that would be sweet that's the next jukebox musical ps where Um, was ymca (laughs) the people of the village uh eventually become engrossed in uh dancing queen Oh no! Uh, no, sorry. Only because, I was gonna say only because they sing the best song ever, yes. Mama Mia. Um, and also have the most amazing bell bottoms in the history <laughs> of mankind. So good, so good. Yeah. Um, back uh, in the future, everything gets ruined by the storm. Oh, I got to say before that Dual that uh, that Donna's audition to officially join this oh my band, gosh that was one of my favorites Andante Andante is an ABBA song I'd never heard before yeah. that is now one of my favorite songs it's beautiful she her performance of that song is so just like understated and like uh, feels like you're right there watching her yeah. sing it like yeah. she I, that's probably one of my not my favorite number because it's obviously not there's no crazy things going on but when I've been listening to this soundtrack like that's the one that I'm like oh man I yeah, love that it's song. super favorite... magnetic and like yeah. super intimate it's yeah. like yeah. it's it's ridiculous it's my favorite discovery from mm-hmm. the movie yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, to f- everything's been ruined and also uh, <laughs> Harry and Everything. Bill have decided that you know screw it they're coming to the thing so oh they... yeah there's a storm which I thought was gonna be a musical number Andy Garcia's like storms are brewing oh yeah that was amazing he's like so he has magical powers to like tell people he's the future like, he's like almost like the beggar Vance of this island it's so great cause he's like I don't know he, he's like mid-sentence or someone's like saying something and he stops and holds his hand out like wait a minute <laughs> there's a storm coming he does like the Mary Poppins like winds in the east yes. storms coming in you know like, yeah. it's so, it was just so funny like what this guy's magic okay so yeah the island gets all <laughs> fucked up and uh uh all the decorations get ruined, yeah. and I guess the the fishing. No one can fly there. No, no yeah, one can fly yeah. there, and then the, there's not a lot of boats because the storm. Yeah. 
but uh, Bill, when he gets to the mainland, is reunited with the Apollonia guy. Mr. Apollonia. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Apollonia. And uh, so they decide to bring everybody yeah, onto is, the island. This is another great comedic scene where... He, uh, the guy, the guy uh, who he rescued is like, oh my God, this guy saved my life and my marriage the other day. And you, and it cuts back to the whole uh, restaurant and no one's listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as he's like, hey, we're going to go to a free party with alcohol. Then everyone's like, all of a sudden like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like and then Bill says, listening. and bring your wives and families. And all the men go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was interesting because I, I saw also that Old Parker, the writer, um, who was then brought on to direct, he had said, uh, like, he didn't know that they were going to ask him to direct. Yeah. And then he's like, if I had known I was going to direct, I wouldn't have written a giant dance number on, on three boats. boats. No, oh, and then, that was the thing I said immediately. I was like... Fuck that! Like that's no. Like I would like that was incredible that they did it, but yeah, Ooh. yeah. And the, uh, this is this is so, so this is where uh, Dancing Queen comes back. Yeah. And, yeah, and this is just like full blown joy in this movie. Like the way yeah. it comes about because she's you know Sophie is like you know beside herself because she's been playing this whole thing and Sky's not gonna be there. Yeah, Sky's and not gonna be there. Fighting. Yeah, and also she's pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, and then Pierce Brosnan's like, "Hey, but look through these binoculars. I uh, see something's coming." And she zooms in the binoculars, and the song starts, and it's just like everyone having the Your time of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did like how they they changed so many lyrics for this one right but they're like we can't change the chorus of dancing queen and so there's one time where they say you know young and sweet only 17 where pierce brosnan and rosie and tanya kind of look at themselves and they're like uh <laughs> they're like we're not 17 they like they're like stretching their he, back he looks and like, like winded for like, a second yeah, yeah he's holding his dad bod and like they're like Ooh. um <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård and Colin Firth doing Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. The best. I, I like almost fell out of my chair. Their bromance is legendary. Yeah. It was just funny. Like what, what were their, what was their plan here? They're just going to dance the entire time as they get yeah. closer. And it's just going to be a big party and the whole island. Is well, I mean, there's with. a chance you're going to stay off the end of the earth. So you yeah. want to be having a good time. <laughs> Go out with that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just some amazing shots of like Colin Firth like hanging from the like (laughs) the ropes on the. uh, But after they all dance on shore and it's revealed that both dads are there and Sky is there, um, and the music number is over, she goes to the bathroom and pukes, and she's sitting next to the toilet. And after she pukes, she goes, "Well, I guess we know what that means." And it's like, "Uh, "Do we?" Do you have yeah. a pregnancy is it, test? I think like, the storm ruined the shellfish. Yeah, yeah. Like, you need to run to the local island CBS and get yourself <laughs> a pregnancy test, at least the pee test, before you announce it to everybody. I mean, she clearly didn't have time to get a blood test. And yeah, so, I, yeah, I thought she was pregnant from like very early on in the movie. There's a scene where she like pensively lays down on the bed and like yeah. puts her hand over her stomach like really deliberately yeah but like, like she clearly didn't know because she said well i guess right. i'm pregnant no, she immediately it, tells her husband who then tells everybody else but it was because they needed the shot matching for yes. donna yes, throwing up yes. in the toilet right. at the same time exactly yeah and then uh yeah i've been waiting for you is really sweet oh, it's uh tearjerker you know, it's it's across time lily james and amanda seyfried kind of have this number together uh-huh. and um 
Lily James giving birth and and being pregnant alone, which is like Amanda Seyfried gets emotional later because she says like I have all these people supporting me and I have I have money, I have a business, I have three dads and two you know two aunts or whatever, and my mom had nobody, which is really I thought like shown nicely in this scene. Yeah, I would like to say I saw someone the other day <laughs> tweeted that they um you know Mindy Kaling has not revealed the father mm-hmm. of her child. Oh my god. And they were like, in twenty years can we have Mindy Kaling, Mama <gasps> Mia? <laughs> Where there are three possible dads. <laughs> and I was like, I support yes, this yes, yes, Oh yeah. my god. Let's do it. I, I'm the fry meme right now. Shut yeah, up and take my, my money. money. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Uh yeah. <laughs> God, that's so good. Um, so they all go on to the party, and suddenly Cher is there. By helicopter. By helicopter. <sighs> so she's decided to finally take part in uh, Sophie's life, and thankfully Sophie's not bitter. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> you're just going to welcome her with open yeah. arms. You're not going to be like, mm, thanks, but no thanks. She's like, you missed my wedding, you missed the funeral, you missed my whole life, nice. and now you're here. And yeah, and she kept weirdly trying to like steal the spotlight from her a couple times. Yeah. yeah. I could have personally done without Cher in this movie. <gasps> Get out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, you're it not just, really allowed I, to say that, but I, I mean, I might sort I of felt, agree story-wise. Like, story I felt wise. the same way, too, where I was just kind of like, I know this is working for somebody. I know. It, just for me, it was like too stunty. Like, I loved all mm. the characters they had, and then it was like... Uh, now it's a share concert. You if know? they had and laid it, down the ground for it a little stronger, yeah. Maybe. Or, may, or maybe if it didn't end the movie like that, yeah. like it feels like she totally. I mean, because she's such a personality, uh, she's you know she's larger than life, so she kind of takes over everything that she's in, and the movie kind of ends with that. And I'm, I was a little bit. Apparently, like, she uh, was offered the Christine Baranski role the first <gasps> oh, wow. in the first movie. Oh wow! Uh, but she turned it down. Um, I forget why. I think because she said she like didn't feel like she could play it. Like she was a good fit for it. Yeah. Honestly, um, I think that's that's good. the right call. No, I, <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. I, I mean, I feel of two minds. I love her so much in this movie, and it's such a great experience and moment. But I do agree that story wise, it's like a little weirdly shoehorned in yeah. there to uh-huh. like have this share moment and also because she was in the trailer i spent a large portion of the movie waiting for her to show right, up right. And really then it damn it where's share just, exactly. just at the very end yeah i definitely because of the trailer too i thought she was gonna arrive a lot sooner and that they were gonna kind of hash out their relationship totally. a little more yeah i think i would like that better it wouldn't have felt so like shoehorned or just like this weird side plot at the end that well yeah would have we made a really little need. bit more sense too because I mean I guess you could have expanded that relationship more but then you'd have to kind of cut a lot of the flashbacks yeah. and so they decided to double down the flashbacks and kind of ignore the there's just not role. any emotional payoff to her showing up yeah at yeah all, really okay but then when she says Fernando <laughs> and the spotlight goes to Andy Garcia and my brain exploded that was kind of funny his yeah. name's Fernando and apparently both of them served together. As soldiers in the Mexican American <laughs> War of 1846 is what that song is about. Uh, and so they. So it sing. has been many years yeah. since they held a rifle. Right. Cheryl looks even better than we thought for her age. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I was worried for Cher of like her being like like brittle in this movie of like dancing, and I was like, oh, just be careful. <laughs> well, you know, Cher is only three years older than Meryl Streep in real yeah. life, uh, yeah, which that's, is that's makes it even more ludicrous that she's playing right. her mother. But, but let's be honest, none of the ages add up on no. this. Like yeah, from yeah. the first one, for for Meryl Streep's age to have had a kid at twenty, like that's a weird yeah age gap because then Sophie's only supposed to be like. 1820 or 21 or something. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. But um, Andy Garcia, also I have to say, has had the summer of his life. I don't know if you guys saw Book Club, but he romances Diane Keaton in that. And apparently both in that and in this, like Diane Keaton and then Cher were asked, like, who do you want to play your love interest? And both of them said Andy Garcia. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's funny. Um, so right. go Andy Garcia. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. This, awesome. uh, Live the dream. Yeah. <laughs> this song also features the world's most extravagant fireworks display <laughs> that is literally covering 360 degrees sky around them. That's right. <laughs> I was like, damn, that must have cost a million dollars. <laughs> I feel like I want all musical numbers to have fireworks. Yeah. yeah. It was just funny. The camera was like spinning around them and there was just fireworks everywhere. Ugh. And like, you know, you've seen fireworks. It yeah. looked like they had like a lot, f- like five Rose Bowl I, displays. Around it's, them. it's amazing <laughs> that they weren't destroyed by the storm. Like the, de- like true. their, like their papery decorations. Well, they got, you know, they got tarps. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fireworks crew was on it. <laughs> so then we flash forward to the christening, which takes place on that same island with tons of stairs that they yeah. Had, <laughs> yeah. that they had they were gonna have the wedding on now they're uh, 10 years older going up those they stairs. Did, they all complain about that which i'm like valid Fair. valid yeah Fair, i don't want to climb those yeah. steps. no especially so. not in fancy clothes um and then like we talked about the number with ghost oh. meryl streep and... like, yeah. we learned that ghosts are real yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah yeah but i mean it was really joking. emotional like just yeah. you know just uh, even thinking about like uh, losing anyone in your yeah. life and thinking about them at the big moments yeah. you know that you that wish they were there, there for it was really well done uh, it's, it's incredibly touching it's the same like there's a really um the director in the movie has a good idea of of what the song's trying to say what you're seeing on screen and the cognitive dis- dissonance between the two perspectives and like it's not like she's here and hooray like, yeah. like you can feel the distance you can feel like the perspectives yeah. there it doesn't they really walk that line well smart. of yeah. like just realistic but not realistic she's a ghost she's not really a ghost like she wasn't yeah. like she wasn't like translucent yeah. okay like, thank god wasn't, she wasn't even slime everywhere yeah. She wasn't like in a mirror or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. she was there, it was like she but was there. Yeah. nobody could but see just her. Like obviously, spiritually, yeah. There. Very I, nice. I have to say, with we talked a little bit about the the lyric changes already, and that song, "I've Been Waiting for You," there they were so beautifully handled to to turn them from one kind of love song into an into a mother daughter love mm-hmm. song. Yeah. Um, and Abba, man, the, the mother-daughter songs, because slipping through my fingers from the first yeah. movie always kills me <laughs> as well. Um, and even though uh, slipping through my fingers, I think, was always about a mother and her yeah. child, and these were changed to be for that purpose, they're just so powerful and affecting and coming from such a real emotional place. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people have talked about there's, you know, a lack of mother-daughter movies. I think that's why Lady Bird really resonated so much last year, and this is really nice. Um, And I think we saw this tweet that was really funny that was like, we know that feminism's working because we're getting two Mamma Mia's and zero Papa Pia's. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't give credit to whoever said that, but it was so funny. Yeah, Justin said it to me at work, and I laughed for like a minute, and I thought I was crazy. (laughs) My friend Leslie today sent me a tweet that was, um, it's actually, I guess they already made a Papa Pia joke in The Simpsons, big surprise, (laughs) where it's like a marquee that says, Papa Pia, because we had more songs, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maureen, I'm curious if you have any insight uh, on the decision to uh, kill off Meryl yeah. Streep's character. No, no one said anything about that. Um, I mean, to be fair, I didn't ask because we were talking about mostly about when I kissed the teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. I do know. I spoke with Judy Kramer, who has sort of been the creative force behind Mamma Mia from the beginning. She decided to produce the original stage show and um, had a production company with Benny and Bjorn and made this happen. Mm-hmm. And she told me that pretty much from the first stage show, not even the movie that they had wanted to do a sequel that they felt that they had such a deep back catalog of songs. And there were so many that they didn't use. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just the, the response to the show from the beginning was so great. And it was such a popular thing that it was something they always wanted to do, but it was something they only wanted to do if they felt like they had a good story for, they weren't going to just like make it for the sake of making it. And so it took, 10 years for them to come up with something and, and find the right emotional beats. And so I'm sure that that that's probably why that it was part of finding what this story needed to be to give it emotional resonance and make it work. Um, And also she did point out, which I think is wise that like probably it wouldn't be getting the response it's getting if it had come out within a year or two after Mm -hmm. the first film, like because 10 years have gone by, people have, started watching it when it's on tv all the time yep. and <laughs> with their kids yeah and it's it's like this it i mean it already was a nostalgia property because of the music and it being the 1970s songs and stuff but i think it has become even more so and mm-hmm. so people are indulging in it also it just they lucked into well i don't know if luck's the right word but it's come out at a perfect moment in that like we really need movies like oh, this yeah. right yeah, now sure. um i mean i know the day I saw it, I saw it at a press screening, I think was a particularly bad news day. Not that those aren't frequent. Um, but was it in 2018? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being like, God, everything is so awful. And I think it was like one of the really, one of the days some of the terrible stories about mothers and, and their children mm-hmm. being separated was out. And then I went to see this and I was like, you know, this isn't going to solve the world's problems, but it sure made me forget about them for yeah. two hours. It's very true. Um, while we're kind of talking about the real world, one thing that I neglected to talk about in our first Momia episode that I just want to mention is that uh, the fact that these movies and the show and the concept are popular really reflects on the white privilege situation of Meryl Streep and these characters. The only reason that we can think of this as fun and goofy is because... Meryl Streep was able to make a life and have money and take care of this girl. She didn't need anything from these fathers and, you know, everything was fine. All three of them were successful and fine people. You could not do a story at all about 
a black or Hispanic woman who had sex with three guys and nobody knew who the father was because everyone would be like villainizing them. Yeah. Whereas, oh, it's Meryl Streep. It's funny. Look at this brave thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Where, you know, you don't think of her at all as being, you know, promiscuous or in any negative way. Um, And of course, that's how they write it, too. But it's just just something to think about. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how her uh, slighter presence in this sequel like played with you know major fans of the franchise because like there was I'm just curious because one of the uh, deadline you know does their box office reports uh, on yeah. Monday or whatever and one of the it was below yeah one of the two, um, another you know, example that was a shock for people one of the uh, what am I trying to say. One of the thoughts they put out for maybe why it faltered a bit on Saturday is that word got out that, like, Meryl Streep is dead. Because they're kind of hiding it in the trailer a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, they, they kind of mask it so you're not yeah. sure. Like, and did she leave him or is she dead right. or what's the deal? I, and I, so maybe fans are like, hey, she's not even barely in the movie. And, and it's like they, they couldn't say in the trailer, it's for a dramatic effect and <laughs> yeah. she's in it plenty. I, <laughs> I love Meryl, but I don't know if Meryl has that much box office power, yeah. to be yeah. honest. Like, she people really love her but i don't know if those are the same people that are buying like tons of movie tickets one thing that is interesting is judy kramer also told me that meryl was the first person they asked Mm -hmm. if if they wanted to do a sequel and that if she didn't want to do it they weren't going to do it so it is very interesting that like she was this linchpin even though she has a significantly reduced role yeah because your first thought would be maybe that like oh she didn't want to be involved that much yeah she even has a like you know deleted song on the soundtrack yeah yeah. was that in the movie no or at any point i don't think so i think that was always just soundtrack the the lily james song that's on the soundtrack called i wonder was in the film it was in the scene where they're in the dorm and all just talking about what they're gonna do next and they cut Mm. that okay yeah and i do like you know speaking of deleted scenes they worked back in the name of the game which Mm -hmm. was deleted from the first movie and that's such a good song well yeah and it works so much better here as a romance thing than are you my father situation it's so perfect and she's like i need to know the name of the game and she opens up the diary or whatever and sees yeah Yeah. or not bill uh, killer pain Great. It was so um, that deleted or that deleted or recorded song with Meryl Streep in the credits, I was cracking up because I guess the original version, she's like talking about how she's seen every episode of Dallas, and then this version it changes to like I've seen every episode of House of Cards. <laughs> I was like, of all the TV shows to reference, especially with like Kevin Spacey yeah. being disgraced now, yeah. I'm like, why didn't you use like literally anything else that would have been more <laughs> universal like uh, lost that's, that's weird lost, yeah. lost is I've the seen... one game of thrones yeah. <laughs> she should have said i've seen every episode of big little lies you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or just do something like very generic and timeless like like friends yeah, yeah. Exactly. law and order it's a lot of episodes <laughs> then Mash. you could have an additional verse about which law and order. that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yeah, were there any other um, cool insights that you got from your interviews? Uh... Oh, I was so uh, the the finale, which is just like the finale in the first one, where everybody comes out in these ridiculous spandex, sparkly disco outfits that are glorious in so many ways, um, and and sing songs that they didn't fit into the plot. Uh, <laughs> That the boys were telling me, because I talked to all three of them at once. Nice. That um, (laughs) that they, uh, you know, got kind of competitive about the uh, really 
display nature of the costume and so they like kept stuffing more and more outlandish things down the front of their <laughs> spandex and I think it was Hugh who was like yeah the, the fruit bowl was empty by the end of the day <laughs> um, and oh then apparently God. Dominic Cooper rolled up a t-shirt and stuck it down his so um I, I have no idea whether any of that actually made, made it, it on screen, but I just thought that was really funny that it, it seems clear from talking to everyone who was involved in this that making the movie is, was just as fun mm. as watching it and the joyful experience that you see on screen is the experience that they all had putting it together. Yeah, I mean, you, you get a little bit of that. Um, there's like a post credit scene where it's like, clearly like an outtake or they just let it play until the guy like yeah is, <laughs> you know. oh with the feather boa yeah the the guy who's like uh the fairy like passport guy yeah, yeah. Passport oh, guy. yes 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 yeah. that one and he starts singing like take a chance on me yeah, yeah. and he just keeps going and then he's like you guys can say cut whatever <laughs> and they all laugh <laughs> yeah um and I, I love the yeah this end credit scene i think is so much more fun than the kind of like on stage performance like one that they had in the uh -huh. last one yeah and we get all these like shots of um the older guys dancing with their counterpart, younger Very guys. I love so that. Cute. Yeah. And yeah, everyone's just having fun. And then the one when we get to Colin Firth, he's just standing there like unimpressed, <laughs> <laughs> while, while his uh, while his counter younger counterpart dances around him. Yeah, <laughs> so that was so funny. He's like, get away from me. <laughs> And apparently they all, e even though like the boys are, the younger boys are never in the storyline at the same time, and then you've got the t split timelines uh -huh. with the older and the younger, apparently uh, they were on the island for like five or six weeks and they all lived there in, the, in mm. like one big apartment complex. So they all That's became nice. really close. Easy. So fun. Yeah. Oh my God. They said it was basically like being on holiday and not working. Yeah. Um, and apparently there were like all these stray animals on the island that they adopted <laughs> and like took into their wow. apartment building. So, so I think that's really cool because you would think maybe – where on in a movie where your storylines are so separate that these people yeah no meet absolutely until their premiere or whatever but no they spent tons of time together so I thought that was where was the island great. did you say that sorry it's in Croatia mm -hmm. okay it's, it's the island of Viz I think in Croatia so yeah, I think that's right uh, so I never suggest these. Uh, ranking you things, got one but i do have one <gasps> i think it? that you would have picked the same one but what i'm gonna it? say guys how many out of 10 so how many beating vaginas would you give <laughs> this movie out of 10 <laughs> is who's that not going, what you were thinking who's no uh, that's oh. great i wasn't i wasn't even thinking about it yet okay. that's amazing uh i'm gonna go ahead i'll go first sure sure uh i'm gonna give it eight Beating vaginas, vaginas out of 10 <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Uh, I think this one uh, is all around better than the first film, in my opinion. Even though, you know, maybe it, it might not have the most iconic songs, but it's got some of them. And then, you know, like Maureen was saying, it makes uh, these new songs now iconic that maybe you haven't heard before. And now you're going to dig deeper into the ABBA mm -hmm. catalog. And, you know, yeah, like we've, we've all said it, Lily James is amazing. Yep. The, like, pathos and nostalgia and, like, emotion of this sequel is so much, like, stronger than the first film. It, it, it's just, like, I, I'll say it again. I'm shocked that it is this good. I was not expecting that at all. And uh, I, I think everybody should go see it. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with the eight. I think that it's typically something that I would probably give like a six or seven, mm-hmm. uh, but I was shocked at how good it is. And also just we need movies like this, yeah. like something that brings people together, something that that you feel. I really liked what you said about like, you know, it's not making the world a better place, but it certainly made me you know, forget about what's going on for a little bit. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, I think that, that just have something that's just completely uncynical and uh, loving. It was, it was a joy to watch. And yeah, eight beating vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this should come as a shock to no one, but <laughs> I give it 10 beating oh, vaginas out of yeah. 10. All possible beating <laughs> vaginas. <Yeah. laughs> I just, I was so in love with it. It so far exceeded what I thought we were going to get. Um, As everyone has already said, it just has this level of uh, emotion and amazing storytelling that for as much fun as I have watching the first movie over and over again, I don't get out of it. And I... I love that you can feel the real relationships between the cast and how much they all really like each other as people. And it's funny and moving and just so many things. And I like you watch it and you just want to like drive really fast in a feather boa while Fernando blasts (laughs) out your windows. So totally. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's kind of funny because I like with the premiere and the junket, they've been asking the cast like, would you do a Mamma Mia three? And <laughs> I, I'm on the fence about like whether that should happen because like it, this is so perfect, and I uh-huh. kind of don't yeah. want it yeah. to, you know, be bad if it happened. They pulled off a miracle once. Can they yeah. do yeah. it? Again? Yeah, it's like Toy Story. Like, Not if they're yeah. gonna call it Mamma Three. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> don't give them any ideas. I, I have to say, when I was interviewing the director, I. He was like, what did you think of it? And I was like, I didn't do this on purpose. It literally just came out of my mouth. I was like, I was having the time of my life. (laughs) And then he was like, uh. And I was like, oh, my God, no. I did not intend that as a joke. I'm sorry. I genuinely meant that. Oh, my God. I I don't know. I was thinking this week, like, man, if this movie does really well, are we going to start getting all sorts of other, like, movie musical sequels? Oh, my God, please. Back into the woods or... (laughs) Or uh, Moulin Tuge. East Side Story. East Side Story. Cincinnati, the sequel to Chicago. Oh, Lord. There haven't been a lot of movie musical sequels, so uh, you never know. Um, And I'm going to agree with you guys and give it uh, eight beating vaginas. I thought it was great. And um, like I already kind of said, it's one of the few uh, sequel or prequel movies that actually makes me look fonder upon the past movies like it actually makes me appreciate it more and like it more the characters and the people which i think is kind of rare it added life instead of sucking blood it did (laughs) yeah it did so yeah cool uh well i think that's gonna bring us to the end so we're gonna start wrapping up here um Maureen, thanks for being here. Thank yeah, my so much. pleasure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a- anything to talk about Colin Firth and Sparkly Spandex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Where can people look for you or find your work? Um, so you can follow me on social media. Uh, my handle is at the Maureen Lee, um, M-A-U-R-E-E-N-L-E-E. Um, and that's Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can also just find my author page on EW.com or look for my byline in the pages of the magazine. 
Awesome. Uh, and we have a couple of uh, exciting announcements for you guys before we head out here. Um, you know, a couple of weeks, I think maybe even last week or a couple of weeks ago, we've been talking about this campaign called Two Pods a Day that yes. we've been getting on. Elis, you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, uh, Two Pods a Day. It's a Twitter account and hashtag, which they, of course, you know, feature Two Pods a Day. And we're super stoked to be one of those. Uh, it's been really cool to discover new podcasts that, uh, I might have known about before. And, uh, there's little blurbs about them so you can get a good idea and they like suggest an episode. So if you need more stuff to listen to, uh, definitely check out that hashtag and Twitter handle, uh, to the number two. Uh, so two pods a day. Yeah. And we've already been starting to make a few friends out of this. Uh, yeah. we, we actually, uh, hooked up with this podcast, uh, double issue, hosted by Quentin Pongrantz and Daniel Poole. And uh, if you guys haven't heard of them, you should check them out. Uh, they are a super fun and like creative explosion of a podcast. They're, they're, the whole thing is they're um, telling stories and building worlds uh, within a like superhero structure that they have set up on their own. Um, the most recent episode uh, features two stories written by them um, based around the story of Prompt prompt tabula rasa and it's like these guys are just if, if, if you're like looking for just creative wild ideas uh for an hour a week you should really check these guys out i mean they're doing some really uh awesome stuff yeah it's cool because i think something that we focus on with all of our franchises is the rules of the world and the world building and that's kind of what they're doing with these stories as they expand uh the fictional world that they've created yeah and uh you know as much as we can talk about them uh i think you might be better to just hear from them yourself we are Double Issue, a weekly superhero fiction podcast. Is that like an audio drama? Only sort of. Some weeks we read short stories set to sound effects and music. And the rest of the time? Mostly BSing. Oh, brainstorming? That's right. We talk and come up with new ideas and characters to use in those stories. Characters like Amy Dangerous, Broadband and Dialogue, Itchable, Moonglow, Thorn, Captain Habit, Double Take, Clepsamine, Aster, Echo, Cyberwolf, Paladin, Rimmer, Battle Maiden, Aqualine, Miss Mist, Werewolf, Spellbinder, Lady Luck, Hildy the Hunter, Guardian. Garth, the Immortal Reggie, Sparkplug, Sid Slaughter, Shadow Doom, Boulder Shark, Cup Hands, and many more. So join us every Monday at doubleissue.show or wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing that we're super excited about. Next week is our 50th episode, you guys. <laughs> Not only that, uh, our birthday is coming up this week. Yay! Tomorrow and Friday, we released our first two episodes ever. Our intro episode... Nice to meet you. And our Aww. first episode ever on An American Tale. So now is the time to go back and check those out. And, yeah. You know, wish us happy birthday because we're only one year old. I know. <laughs> I, we may, uh, that's still pretty impressive in my uh, book. And uh, I'm barely you, learning how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's a microphone? If you want to give us a birthday present, uh, definitely share us with your friends and subscribe. That's what we need. Yeah. And rate and review us. On Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you tune in next week for our 50th episode, we will be kicking off a brand new franchise, the Sean Connery starring... say James Bond <laughs> as a dragon. <laughs> the Dragonheart <laughs> series. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Can you hear the Dragonheart beating? I'm sorry, I'm being stupid. As per usual... Yes, it's going to be great uh, if you love fantasy or the 90s or anything. Just uh, you want to hear us talk about this. Hurricane Heist's Rob Cohen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. There is some great stuff coming, so don't miss it. Yeah, so help us celebrate our birthday. Tune in for the 50th episode with Dragonheart. We'll see you guys next week. I was sick and tired of it.